My name is Swami Barakas, and I'm a Hindu Gujarati. My name is Jojo B, and I'm um, undefined. And today's show is all about religion. The native immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. Salutations and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. So, the aftermath of the big weekend. Yes. Diwali weekend. Yes, we are now officially rolling everywhere rather than walking. Uh, Yeah. I, was, I, was, I had to think about that one for a second. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, we have become big and round. Yes. And uh, overindulged. Yeah, we did overindulge because uh, Jojo B cooked up some tasty delicacies. As we mentioned on our last week's episode. Yes. Our Diwali special. Yes. Actually ended up being one of our most listened to shows in recent weeks. Uh, people seem to love Diwali in lockdown. Well, people didn't really have a choice with Diwali in lockdown. So what better than to be locked down than to listen to our show? Telling you how to make it better. Yeah, In exactly. lockdown. Well, it must have, um, you know, brought up the positive energy in a lot of our listeners because yeah. they listen to it in drones. Shout out to all the drones people. Drones or droves? What did I say? Did I say drones? Drones. They listen to it in drones. Listening they were just hovering around us. I mean, it's probably it's probably um, the only way you can probably spend time with your family is by, you know, jumping on a drone and sending a drone over and just watching them through the window yeah stalking them through the window (laughs) i bring you love (laughs) i bring you peace um yeah uh so yeah loads of people listen all over the world with this one with listeners from singapore middle east africa yeah it seemed to be a, a universally loved show because you know this is a universal language in podcasting and diwali is a universal celebration Thank you to the whole world for listening to us. <laughs> yeah. We love you across the planet. Yeah, exactly. Global love. We are, a, you know, a global show. I'd like to think of us as a global show. Shout to Ruckus Avenue Radio. Yay! For our weekly episode on we love there. You, America. We love Do you know what? Americans. I really I've been saying this all week. Like I really I have such a like a hankering and mm. a need to go back to New York. Yeah, you, you've got a bit of a fetish is. with that at the moment. Yeah, usually it's I usually want to go to the West Coast, but like I just I'm really like missing New York, mm. and I would love at some point in my life to go to New York around Christmas time. It's like a dream. Yeah, you, obviously because we're big fans of like '80s Hollywood films, yes. and like most of them, or, or some of the most epic ones, are all set in and around New York during that period. Um, yes, and Home Alone it's like 2. Home Alone 2, obviously, <laughs> what comes to mind straight away. My dad took me to the cinema to watch that. Well, yeah, this seems to be a weekly thing where Jojo B talks about one of her cinema trips with her parents to watch my some dad, of these epic honestly, films. The, the cinema trips with my dad, just the best. Yeah, the and the best. 80s were a great period for those kind of films. So every time I think of like New York and Christmas, 
I'm, I'm immediately thinking of those kind of films. Like even Scrooged. Like, yeah, Scrooged, Die Hard and stuff. Well, yeah. that, you know, that's kind of not the experience that I'd like, obviously, during a Christmas in New York. Well, yes. Um, but, you know, even that big when they're in an FAO Schwartz and stuff in the, yeah, in the, the, keyboard. In the toy, toy shop there. Um, it's just, yeah, it's something magical about, you know, being in and around you know, Christmas and New yes. York and stuff. So if anyone wants to um, sponsor this uh, happening, obviously not for this year. Native immigrants in New York. Mate. Special. Yeah, Ruckus Avenue. If you mans are listening you got and a if you cherish there. us, I think they've got a studio in LA. I mean, I, mean, I don't mind that yeah, either, exactly, to be fair. Yeah, like LA is, I think, know. my spiritual home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> spiritual home. It man. is. I, like, I, I love it there. You've been there like... Once, once, and I loved it there, and I left my heart there. <laughs> yeah, I, I know because it's the heart of stone that I've been dealing with ever since. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if they would like to have us in, you know, the states for a future episode of the Native Immigrants, you know, make it happen. If you cherish us enough, then you know this should be a given, really. Yes, pay for us to go there, please. Pay for us to go there, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but shout out to America, specifically the uh, president and the vice president, who uh, wished celebrators, 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 celebrators. That's not people a word. that celebrate. <laughs> what is a, what is a people who celebrates? People who celebrates. People who celebrated. Okay. Yes? Okay. Um, people around the world who celebrate Diwali. A happy Diwali and a Sal Mubarak yes. on their social media. Yes. Now, this brought a big positive reaction and uh, a negative reaction. From a small minority who are very vocal. Yeah, exactly. Well, or Very vocal, but also high up on the comments list when I started to have a look. In the, <laughs> yeah, this is true. Why, yes. why are the most, the most negative reactions always the ones that are like first and foremost? I in know. like Obviously, it's done by... Social media algorithms, isn't it? Yeah, maybe they're, they're telling Kinda. us what... They're trying to sway our opinion um, towards and also just trying there. to like stoke the fire so that there's yeah, more yeah, yeah. like conversation. conversation we are manipulated massively by social media mm. which is why I haven't watched that documentary that's on Netflix yeah. because I just I don't social need to dilemma. know yes social dilemma because I don't want to know the extent to which I am manipulated on a daily basis right. I just don't, I just don't need to know I know that I am I just don't need to know how much right because I mean it just makes you feel even worse about life, doesn't no, it? No, that's true. So I'm staying away from that documentary. Right, okay. Um, I, I haven't seen it yet because obviously I can't watch anything in this living room without Jojo B having the first. So you're talking about manipulation. I'm manipulated on a daily basis being married to Jojo B. So, you know, who's the manipulator and who's the manipulatee? Basically? You're just making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> the manipulatee. Um, so... Um, <laughs> just make it worse. The... Um, so the reaction from a lot of people um, towards these tweets, uh, specifically, I guess, towards Kamala Harris, uh, was obviously she's of Indian descent. Um, huh. And, you know, it, for generations within our communities in India, the, the phrase Sal Mubarak has been used. It's been heavily used by our community, the Gujarati community, um, for Hindu New Year. Yes. You know, the next day after Diwali. Um, and I've always used it throughout my childhood it then got to a point about i'd say 10 15 years ago where there was a big transition in 
what we were saying on on the day mm -hmm. um because i was told the actual correct way to say happy new year in gujarati is nutan varashka abhinandan okay right and so that's a tongue twister eh? it is yeah exactly it was it's a lot more to to add to the palette rather than sal mubarak which is quite easy and rolls off the tongue very well huh. what i didn't realize and the reason why there was such a clamor to move off the uh, original way of saying it to this gujarati you know way of saying it or uh -huh. you know whichever way you prefer it still means the same thing was the fact that they had the term mubarak in there now so i never really that notion never really like gripped me at all you know in terms of you know eid mubarak is a big thing within the islamic community the way they say it. i always thought sal mubarak within hours is exactly the same it means the same thing it's a celebration huh. but there is a, a big um pro hindu um way of thinking i guess when it comes to these kind of things and uh -huh. a lot of that was made very very evident in the reaction uh from a lot of indians uh towards kamala harris um specifically the fact that you know mubarak is a, a persian term and that's been like almost indoctrinated basically in our culture and that we shouldn't be using it and all this kind of thing i i find that completely preposterous personally um because you know our communities are a mix of cultures and different um terminologies and you know we've done the same thing with you know words and culture and communities here and so it's all part and parcel of exactly the same process so like the fact that a lot of people were were thinking on those lines and that term it it baffled me disappointed me i guess more than anything else i just find it very frustrating that there is this movement to try and negate a whole part of indian history mm. where there was a um a muslim rule for a long time in yep. india yep. um the the food and the language has been massively influenced mm -hmm. in india from that so there's a lot of arabic and persian influence in in the language and the, what we eat yes and we you know we can't just then just just get rid of it just kind of like delete it from our history mm. and say no that just didn't happen or we don't want that to, we don't want to accept that part of our history yeah and because of this kind of rise of right-wing nationalism that's going on in India where they're just trying to like forget all this stuff that's happened and is now it's 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 part of our cultural DNA yeah exactly, exactly. and you can't get rid of that and to then you know go out and attack this new vice president hmm. who you know we spoke about it we spoke about it last week she she is who she is and she may have done the things that she's done in the past in her political career hmm. but she is a uh, the first it's the first time there's a woman in that position it's the first time that there is an indian woman in that position yeah and to to then attack her for kind of acknowledging that diwali was happening yeah. and that it is the new year and hmm. for, and the way that she um wanted to express those uh, that that kind of celebration i just find it it's just oh it's just so frustrating and it's just angry men isn't it it's angry little men <laughs> who just feel the need just to troll and attack just constantly and especially when a woman does it mm. and i just ah oh, i was just so fucking angry with it because <laughs> it's just it just makes me so angry this this kind of this rise of hindu nationalism and this need to just attack the minorities in india constantly mm. 
even when there are large minorities like the Muslim community in India, yeah. it's just ah, like I don't know how to express it other than just ah, shut up. Yeah, Angry no, man. of course, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was this disappointed me. Um, it was frustrating. The, like. I've, I looked at a different side of that argument. We talked about, obviously, when the British ruled India and they changed the names of a lot of the big cities in India um, just to make it, I guess, more easily pronounceable for them. So Mumbai became Bombay. Um, and then, obviously, like, Bengaluru was Bangalore and things like that. Mm. Um, and, obviously, that was the case for a number of years. It only really got changed about, about 20 years ago, I think it was, um, 15 to 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I'd say probably, where yeah. they changed all these names back to the way they were before. There was a lot of people that lived within those cities that were quite frustrated and angry about that um, because they'd been so almost used to using, you know, the the British terms almost in a way. And then there was also a massive community of people that were rejoicing at the fact that these were now changed back to what they were previously um, before the days of the British Raj. Um, so it is, there are, there is a certain amount of kind of, you know, like, you know, trying to balance the equilibrium there in terms of what the right or the wrong thing is based in that argument. My thing is with words like Mubarak used like extensively amongst all our communities based in India, that's been for like, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's very much part and parcel of our everyday terminology. You know, if you, we, people say Mubarak or Mubarak or for you know, for yeah. anything basically, um, you know, whether you're um, Hindi, Punjabi, Gujarati, you know, they may even use it in South India. I don't know. Um, and so, you know, I have absolutely no problem with it. Um, if people want to use Salmo Barak, that means um, the same to me as Nutan Varaska Abhinandan. Um, yeah, these these are two different ways to to show celebration and to you know greet someone with celebration and to. You know, try to, you know, like I said, it is, was attacking somebody for trying to do the right thing and trying to get people together and rejoice and, and celebrate that. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was, um, yeah. I think, look, if you want to say it, you say it in either way. There's not, it shouldn't be a problem with you, someone saying Sal Mubarak or someone saying, I'm going to let you say it the proper way. <laughs> yes, right. And so if that's what they want to say, mm. either one. It's fine. Yeah, Just exactly. leave them to it. No, 100%. Um, but yeah, you're never going to change that mindset. Um, but the, the irony of it was the fact that uh, Narendra Modi himself used the term Sal Mubarak in a tweet. And then all of a sudden, all these people were like, oh, well, our honorable leader has used this term. So all of a sudden, that makes it okay because he's a Gujarati, obviously. So then it's absolutely fine, you know, because he can do no wrong in any of our eyes. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of kind of like hypocrisy, basically, um, across social media. But then that is social media, obviously, more than anything else. So um, yeah, for anyone that did celebrate it, Salam Mubarak. Yes. And Nutan Varaska Abhinandan. And a happy new year. Yes. Because it all means the same thing nothing obviously happy about this new year because we're still stuck in lockdown and we're still in a global pandemic but uh that's a that's a whole nother discussion gotta make the best of the situation that we're in exactly um so yeah i hope you all had a good celebration whatever you were doing and i hope you continue to do so in a safe and secure way we are almost coming to the end of this season of the native immigrants i think we have another couple of shows after this one yeah before we decide to take a winter break. 
much needed yeah. long rest. A long rest and recuperation period for myself and Jojo B to see in the Christmas period. We've and been the pretty New consistent Year. this season. Like we've done well. We've been, you know, we've been there with you guys yep. through the first lockdown, now through the second lockdown. Exactly. You exactly. know, and and I think we deserve a break. We do, yeah. It's been, you know, we've covered so much in this season. And I feel this season's been almost different to our previous two, where it's been a lot more, I guess, like positive energy with our shows. Um, whereas, the world's a fuck, there's a fucked up place at the moment and we just want to bring some positivity to you guys. Yeah, it's not as hard hitting um, and as, um, you know, sort of, I guess, like... Heavy. Heavy, as our first season was, when we tackled some really, like, um, important subjects, such as uh, forced marriages and um, Asian attitudes towards the LGBTQ plus community and abortions. And so, there's so many things that are taboos within our community where we haven't done that as much this season because we're all, like, going through a massive crisis right now in the world. Yes. And I feel like with our show, um, we want to bring a little bit more you know, a, a positivity, but also a smile on people's faces every week. So we've tried to pick subjects and topics around subjects that people aren't going to feel like, you know, they're, they're left at the end of it. You know, like it's a massive emotional, like drain, just kind of yeah. listening to our show. And that's partly for you guys and partly selfishly for ourselves, exactly. because we've had a, you know, it's been a hard year for us. Yeah, definitely. At the beginning of this year, I was basically having a breakdown. Mm. And I'm in a much better place now. But during that period, obviously, we've done a lot of self-healing yeah. as a family. Yep. And um, and so keeping it light or lighter, we have tackled some difficult stuff, but keeping it lighter yeah, has made it easier basis. for ourselves as well because we, we needed that. We, yeah. needed, we needed to kind of keep it. Easy. keep it a little bit easier and stuff so you know we've tried to obviously pick topics and concepts and um for each show to on that basis but you know we don't know what next year is going to bring the show is definitely going to be back i think that's that's secured and tight now i think we've we've grown over our little batch where we were um wondering whether we wanted to continue doing this what's or the not. point of it all exactly. kind of period absolutely um but you know we realize how important our show is um, more for us, I guess, more than anything else. Um, and so we will deliver another season of the Native Immigrants in 2021. And hopefully, with things potentially subsiding, we will go back to obviously looking at some hard-hitting um, uh, subjects that we tackle on a weekly basis, those big topics of agenda. So um, I hope you will all stay with us uh, as we go through this uh you know, period together um, and come through the other side fairly unscathed. But on the second half of this show, we're going to be talking about a fairly controversial subject. After everything I just said. Yeah, after, keep, after saying we're going to keep it light. Yeah. It's not quite so light in the not next half. Not quite so light, but we'll decide to take a, a bit of a, a different perspective on it. And that is the subject of religion. See you on the other side, people.
Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we're about to get all controversial up in this bit. Yeah, we're going to talk about something that we don't often talk about between ourselves. <laughs> this is the thing. <laughs> and the may this might open up loads of old wounds as well. Maybe. So it might be like a, you know, a, a counselling stroke therapy session. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I talked last week about Akele Hamakele Tum and Kramer versus Kramer and this whole, you know, like divorcing and crazy shenanigan kind of shit. Because this is something that we don't talk about. Very often, no. No. It hasn't really been an issue either. No, it hasn't. You know, and it shouldn't do. No. Or should it? Well, let's see. Let's see. Um, because since our very first episode... Um, we spoke about who we are, uh -huh. and over the course of our episodes, we've mentioned uh, things like the wedding, mm -hmm. and we've mentioned, um, obviously, just celebrations, mm -hmm. and we've talked about our own respective cultures. Huh. But we haven't really spoken about religion itself. No, we have not. No. And it is a, quite a big thing. I think, uh, us aside, hmm. within our you know, subcontinent almost. Religion is a massive thing. Yes. Like, immense. Yeah. As in it's created uh, conflicts. Yeah. It's uh, brought millions of people together as well at the same time. Split the country. Split the country, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is a big, big thing. Um, and it is a topic of hot debate as well. Yes. Uh, so maybe that's probably the reason why we haven't decided to talk about it because yeah, and also everyone's very sensitive yeah. about the as about the topic. So whatever yeah. we say will probably offend someone. Yeah, definitely. And if you are ultra sensitive about this, then maybe don't listen. Yeah, well, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd probably say the same thing. You know, um, because you know, um, for, if you're a new listener of the show, then you may not know that I am a Hindu Gujarati. And Jojo B is a Sikh Punjabi. Loosely speaking, yes. Okay, on paper. Yes. Uh, and our son is an obvious mix of both. Yes, well, he's a mix of Gujarati and Punjabi. Yeah, exactly, Religion. our cultures. Yeah. Well, exactly, this is something to discuss. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're a mixed couple as such, religion-wise. Yeah, and culture-wise. Our and cultures culture -wise, are very exactly. different. Absolutely. You know, where there are lots of similarities, but fundamentally, they are very different. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so listeners of our show will have known this. Um, and so, when we do talk about our respective religions, uh, there there is going to be a lot of differing opinions on them. Yeah. And I, what I will say about us as South Asians is that we do tend to mix, confuse, um, and overlap where they shouldn't overlap, hmm. the religion and the culture. Yes, yeah. Those are two different things. No, definitely. Um, because you can see differences in culture across the whole of India, whereas, you know, there are mass Hindu communities across the whole country, obviously. But, yeah. but you know, you would say that the Gujarati culture is very different from you know, the Hindu Bengali culture or the South Indian culture to that, you know. So they're very different cultures, although they're all fundamentally Hindu as such. Some are. Well, okay. Not so um, yeah, Okay, so the majority... It is diverse. Oh, yes, all right. So the majority of those, you know, it's... 
okay, you, we can talk about it in all different ways, but India is primarily a massive Hindu country. Yeah, it's a majority Hindu country. There you go. But there are large minority yes. religions. Yes, across the whole of India. And then there are smaller minority religions as yeah, well. Yeah, of course, of course. And sometimes I think that they get forgotten. They do. Uh, they get sidelined. And also, I think that when I say that sometimes we mix or oh, we confuse culture and religion, mm. we say something and they and you and it can seem like you're attacking a religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. no, no, yeah. not. And just kind of saying that I accept a part of culture that I may, but I may not accept a part of religion. Yeah, but those are two different things. I can be Punjabi and I can not be Sikh. Or I can True. be Sikh. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, like That's in the same thing. way, you can be Gujarati, yeah. but you could be, I mean, Gujarati is, is, is a split between Hindus and Muslims. Yeah, exactly. I could be a, um, a Hindu Gujarati, I could be a Muslim Gujarati, I could be a Christian Gujarati. I've heard people say, I've, when I've said, oh, like, what religion are you? They say, I'm Gujarati. Hmm, yeah, yeah, that doesn't yeah. mean anything to me. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you're Gujarati, great, but that's not your religion. Yeah. And yeah. that, and, and I find, and I only noticed this when I got married to you, that a lot of Gujaratis just think that they are the only Hindus <laughs> as well. Hmm. And that's not the case. Hmm. So, because there is a large part of India that is also Hindu, but from other states. Yeah, no, of course. And so, yes. Anyway, this is a very long-winded way of introducing this topic. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. The thing is religion. Religion can be a, a big scapegoat as well for a lot of things. Um, you know, people have used religion to um, to divide as well. Um, so there, there is a lot of... Um, it, it is a very divisive subject when it shouldn't be. And I think this is one of those things when, when it comes to religion because you talk to myself and Jojo B, our views on religion are very, very different. Um, and in terms of practicing... We are polar, yeah, polar yeah, opposites. In terms of practicing, we're polar opposites as well um, because I... I guess to an extent, I'm a practicing Hindu. Um, I've come from a very religious family. My mum and my grandma and my granddad all lived in a temple in Kenya for um, a good like thirty years. And like uh, ran it, like, like yeah, yeah, they, they were yeah, they yeah, were they, part of the they were literally part of the committee of people that ran the temple. Um, so um, my mum spent most of her young um, and and a little bit of her adult life living in a temple uh, and so it's massively part and parcel of our day-to-day -day life yeah um and even now to this day it's something that she's carried on you know um you know both of her parents have, have passed on but she still kept hold of those um ideals and those views um and is still very much a religious person to this day yeah uh, my dad is also the same you know yeah. so you've got two very religious parents mm -hmm. um and that has obviously been reflected on us as youths. Now, my brother, one of my brothers is very religious. Yeah. He is now a uh, initiated devotee of the ISKCON movement. Yeah. Um, and so he is, um, you know, like fully practicing, uh, like extreme practicing in, in his uh He's devoted life. his life to it. I yeah, think. exactly. Exactly. And that's obviously that's instilled on his family. Um now, with me personally, I to I, to say that I'm very religious uh, would be a little bit far fetched. Uh, I I guess I'm a practicing Hindu. Yes, 
would I say I'm very religious in my life? Possibly not. But that's not to say that I don't follow, I guess, all the, you know, the, the fundamentals uh, of what a Hindu should be and how he should be as such. Um, and I've always adhered to that through my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a vegetarian. I have been since birth. I've kept that on. That's been very, very important to me. That's something that's been instilled in me. And maybe that's a cultural thing rather than a religious thing. Um, but when it comes to um, religion and practicing that, I've said it on numerous occasions that, you know, my family and myself volunteered at our temple for a good 20 years. Yeah. Um, that only stopped, uh, say that's three, four years ago. Not even that. It was like two years ago. Is that it? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So a couple. Yeah. Couple of years then. So yeah. I've been, it was the, the first year that you didn't do it was the year that I was pregnant. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. A couple of years ago then. So I'm uh, so from about ninety three, ninety four, all the way up to twenty eighteen. You know, I've been uh, volunteering at our temple. Something that we've been very passionate about um, as a whole family, and I think we took a family decision uh, not to carry on just because we done it for so long my mom was obviously getting older and the the toll it takes on her volunteering all day every day at these big festivals uh, ended up becoming too much um, and then we were looking to start a family and so we, i wouldn't be able to devote as much of my time into doing the volunteer work because we want to focus on having a child we've had our child now um, so i may even look to resurrect that in a few years time once mm -hmm. he's of age and it's easy enough for me to spend 13, 14, 15 hours at a time, basically, you know, doing service. Um, so it's very much part of my life. Religion has always been part of my life. Yeah. I was probably a li little bit more of a rebellious child. Um, so I don't like being told what to do. And so when you're almost being not forced, but there is a, an element of being preached to all the time about religion and you know having to follow these rules and having to follow these guidelines and having to follow this way of life that um didn't i guess sit well with me too much as a as a young lad going into a young adult so you know i didn't go down the route that my brother did um and if i had and if i was i would have been maybe the same as him and this would never have happened this podcast would never have happened mm. because I wouldn't have got together with someone that is not the same religion as me. Yeah. But that's obviously not the case mm -hmm. because I'm the first person, I think, within my family, even extended family, that married outside of his religion. Really? Yeah. Everyone wow. else everyone else is married. All my close family, like so my dad's brother's kids and my mum's um you know side of the family as well um yeah that i think i'm the first one so that's that's a pretty that was a pretty big deal and you married but a punjabi you didn't even like married that far out yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you married you still married an indian yeah well yeah but you know whether you're indian or whatever it doesn't really matter to me you know so it's 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 more about the person and so whether you were you know sikh punjabi or um shinto or uh satanist um you are who you are Mm. you know um so yeah it, religion has always been a big part of my life although it hasn't been an overriding factor in my life the way it has with a lot of people within my family a lot of people that i know yes but and i think it's because of that that's enabled this to happen 
Yeah. So I I have an interesting relationship with religion. So my grandma, my daddy, um, my dad's mom, she was a very religious lady. Very religious. She was a widow when she was like 32. And as in those days, widows didn't get treated very well. Um, Religion was her her solace it was where she found her comfort it was yeah. where she found her strength because um yeah like she didn't get treated very well obviously um and and she had two young children and she brought those two children up to be religious so my dad was pretty religious he wore a bug Damn. you know he if you ask him now like he has read the guru granth so many times and he knows it and he understands it he studied it um and yeah, so he used to do part and everything. He came to England as a teenager, carried on for a while being religious, fell into a crowd, oh, shall dear. we say. Um, so he, my dad, like many people who came here in the 70s, 60s and 70s, um, they were, he was doing, he was doing manual labor, like, a lot of other people and he worked yeah he worked in a foundry um it was hard work uh immigrant labor was treated very very badly Mm -hmm. Uh, he got involved with the trade unions uh, specifically the indian workers association and just kind of fell into a crowd that actually was more um how do i put this he would put it as a more rational thinking this is how he's a rationalist so he he um and now and is an atheist he would say now that he's an atheist he fell into a very political crowd very left-wing um and um yeah and gave up religion cut his hair and just kind of turned his back on religion Mm. um but religion was still there in the background for me because of my grandma Mm. and my mom my mom's not massively religious but she was brought up in a in a kind of um, mixed Hindu Sikh kind of background herself, so right. the, you know religion was always there. It always played a big part of her life growing up. But she got married very young; she was eighteen when she got married. My dad influenced, obviously, her. He was only twenty. Um, the the influence of my dad on her kind of made it, you know, easier for him to kind of just kind of oh, let's just leave the religion behind. Um, and so. Religion really didn't play that much of a part in my life. We used to go for weddings to the Gurdwara. We used to go sometimes, if my mom could persuade my dad, we'd go for like Diwali and stuff. Um, and we always celebrated Diwali, but more as a cultural celebration rather than a religious thing. Yeah. Um, I knew all of that. You know, my dad told me all of the main stories between school and my dad. I kind of knew all of the main things that I should know about Sikhism. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, there's a lot. There's lots of things that I don't know and that I don't understand because I wasn't brought up that way. So people would say things to me like extended family or you know people we knew yeah. who would say, "Oh, you shouldn't do this or you should do that," and I'd be like, "Dad, what's this about?" And he'd be like, "Doesn't apply to us. Right. <laughs> we right. don't do that." Yeah. Um, and so. Yes, I, you know, go to the Gurdwara sometimes. When I moved to London, I was away from home. I used to feel really homesick, and sometimes I would go to the Gurdwara just to be around people who were like me but just to hear the language to hear Punjabi being mm. spoken to eat you know roti and sabji and and you know have langar and kind of it felt quite homely for me my dad found yeah, it yeah. hilarious that I was going to the Gurdwara he was like what because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't really go when I was in Newcastle um but yeah like religion's not really a thing for me mm. um I wouldn't say I was religious sometimes I listen to part but it's ma- mainly because that makes me 
it makes me feel closer to my grandma who's no longer with us. Right. Um, and so sometimes like, you know, I just feel really sad when I think about her and I'll put Bart on and it makes me feel better because I remember her playing it constantly when we used to go to India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd wake you up at like five o'clock in the morning with her tapes of Bart. <laughs> and so that's, it's more of that, like that kind of um, feeling of family. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. I think that I have that connection to to Siki. Um, I'm not knowledgeable. I, you know, and I think although I have the label of Sikh, I don't think a real Sikh would probably accept me as one. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not a massive religious person. I wouldn't say I live my life by any doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, fair play. And I'm. Um, yeah. I'm quite kind of liberal about things. Yeah. Liberal-minded, I guess, is the way to phrase it. And I think. It's probably because of that, uh, you know, when we talk, talk about us and being together uh, and, you know, how much did religion play a part in us being together? Um, probably obviously not at all at the at the start of our relationship. Um, well, no, it would have done because I think if you had been deeply religious, like to the point where you were like, you know, this is my life, you would never have even yeah, this would never you know, have pondered the idea of us. Yeah. And I think because of if 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 we ha- if we were both quite heavily practicing our religions, yeah, our own separate religions. our own separate religions, yeah. then I don't think we would have been together either. No, and it's weird when I look at um, relationships of people that I know or people within our extended friend circle that are a mix of two different religions. Mm. Um, it it feels like there there's no couple that's like really heavily practicing of their own respective religions that are together yeah it feels like there's there's there may be um some that are kind of you know that are you know acknowledge their religions and stuff but it's not a massive you know overriding um factor in their life as such or there might be one that's a bit more practicing than the other and stuff but it's it's nothing that's like you know become a um a dominant um you know um, essence of the each of their respective lives as such um, and I guess th- that's probably the reason why those relationships all work, um, because I have seen instances in the past where there's been um, people that got together initially just, you know, because they fell in love and, you know, got into a relationship. And then religion played a part in them eventually splitting up because yeah. um, they either became a bit more, um, you know, you know practicing is one thing, but, you know, being a bit more influenced and inspired by decision making that was very religious driven whether that's from family whether that's from um religious leaders within their local um places of worship or just with their own need for it yeah of course yeah sometimes you have a calling you know sometimes i know people that haven't had any religion in their life through most of their adult life and then by the time they get to like 50 60 religion all of a sudden becomes a massive thing into their life. I think when you get older, you start contemplating the idea of death. And you just don't want there to be... My dad is just like, there's nothing. He's a a real atheist. He's like, I die, I die. It's gone. Lights have gone out. And and I think that's quite a scary thought for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, this is the other thing. It's, it's, you know, when we talk about our respective religions and um, there's a lot of... Um, 
in, in I know in India specifically is a lot of um you'll hear a lot of backlash against each other's religions and stuff from um you know I'd say minority pockets basically within the communities but obviously now with the big rise of Hindu nationalism it's becoming a much bigger thing and we're hearing about it all over the world in terms of you know like Hindus versus Muslims and then Muslims versus Sikhs and then Sikhs versus Hindus and it's just like you know it's vice versa basically between yeah, and all these extremist pockets of all of those religions exactly exactly um and so um you know and obviously if we had extremist views about our respective religions that we wouldn't be together either um and this podcast wouldn't even be taking place because we're a very um we're a very liberal podcast and we talk about things that are very um you know worldly and our thought processes are, are thinking about us as a collective community rather than us as segregated religions within that that factor as well yeah um i think you know for us the there was a big big test for us when it came to us getting together and getting married which was when the gurdwara refused to marry us now i wanted to get married in the gurdwara because that's just what i've known mm, i guess yeah and um and i kind of felt like that again like like i said my my connection to religion is very much through my grandma and it was my way of have kind of feeling like she was there mm. and um they, they said no and i was kind of pissed off like i was quite pissed off at the time yeah but then actually i kind of the reason that it didn't become a massive thing for us was because i actually sat back and i thought well actually i'm not religious i'm mm. not massively religious and my dad was like oh you know there's a gurdwara here like miles away like in wolverhampton yeah, yeah, yeah. or somewhere and i was like dad i'm from newcastle if i'm gonna get married it's gonna be in newcastle or what like you know like in a gurdwara in newcastle otherwise i don't really care yeah yeah, yeah um yeah. and so i'm not gonna go all the way to wolverhampton where i know no one mm. <laughs> to get married like that's just not gonna happen um and so i was like forget it i was like we're not religious what difference does it make if, if we... anything did it probably reiterate like your like your views and stuff as a no, family i mean their their argument and i guess i understand that argument is that and i i think a lot of people do have trouble with it though is that the Sikh wedding ceremony is about when two people get married, they are devoting themselves. They're saying together that we're going to devote ourselves to God. Right. And uh, we, I mean, essentially, we believe in different gods. Sikhism is a, mm. a monotheistic religion. There's one God. Mm. You believe in a number of gods. Mm. And so we wouldn't be we wouldn't have been doing that yeah. and so we would have been going against the the you know the the wedding rights as yeah, it is yeah and um and so i kind of get it i understand why people don't but i think what's happened is is that there's so many people marrying out now yeah yeah that yeah, yeah. actually lots of people are just not able to get married in the world they have they lose that connection altogether yeah, yeah. i didn't really have much of a connection mm. and so it's not really the end of my world i mean i've still been back to the Gurdwara a few times since we got married um for other things it's not like i've said screw you i'm never going back to one ever again yeah but yeah. it's as i think for some people who do did have a connection to the gurdwara and go in there and they did have some connection to their to their religion but they chose to marry someone outside of the religion yeah those people are then lost i think that's really hard for them because it hurts them more than it probably would have hurt me yeah that it hurts them and then those people are lost to the gurdwara to sikhi and so and they kind of then end up moving away from it yeah yeah of course. And just losing their connection to the place 
to the actual place of the Gurdwara. Yeah. yeah. Saying I'm not welcome there. So if I'm going to practice my religion, I'll just do it at home hmm. away from all of that because they rejected me at the time when I really wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but like I said, for me, because religion was never a massive thing, I was like, whatever, as long as we can get married, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we could have, well, we could have just got married in a, in a registry office and we still yeah, would have been I, married. Yeah, exactly. I would have been, I would have been okay with that. Yeah. For you, obviously, the 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 thought process had always been we'll have a ceremony at the Gurdwara and a ceremony at yeah, the Mandir. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And so then it ended up just being a ceremony at the Mandir because I was like, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but it was yeah, it was important for me to get married at the the temple that I've been volunteering with and 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 visiting for the last thirty years of my life, um, and so it was important for me to get married there. Um, rather than anywhere else, uh, the issue with the Gurdwara obviously disappointed me. Um, probably not a, disappointed me financially, obviously, because that would have been another cost in terms of having a ceremony at uh, at another place of worship. I've, I've seen other weddings since ours uh, that have been uh, Hindu Sikh. Weddings. Yeah, I think they've kind of got a, they've eased up a bit again on yeah, it. But yeah. this was at the height of people storming into weddings and stopping them and stuff. Yeah, and exactly. it was just not I was not like I didn't want to get married at the Godwara enough for to for me to risk my wedding day being completely ruined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I just was like, forget it. Like I just if they don't want me, they don't need to have me. It's fine. Hmm. I just I, I'll, I'll you know, I'll get married elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think for you, it would have been a bigger deal if the mother had said, No, she's not she doesn't practice Iskon. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so she's yeah. not she's not welcome here. No, of course. And I of think course. that would have been more of a problem for you. Probably. But in but I in uh, this is the thing. In my head of heads and heart of hearts, I know that that, that would never have been an issue. But which if is it the had reason been an why. Issue. But but that's the reason why I was disappointed when the Gurdwara said no to us, because I was like, why if it's not a problem for us, why is it a problem for you? Because of the way that the the wedding works. So with our ISKCON wedding, it was very much about the love between me and you. Hmm. Whereas with a Sikh wedding, it's very much about showing your devotion to God. And, but, okay, and, so, so, had... and so it's about you as a union, then kind of like promising that you will follow, you know, uh, Wahiguru. Like yeah. you, you, that, that's, that's what you will do. And you... Whereas in it's it's the emphasis is different, and mm. I think that's why there was a problem. But if the mandir had said, "We're not going to do this," right? What would you have done? Would you have married me? Yeah, we would just had to go into a registry office and done in that way. Okay, that's you know, good. it wasn't. If the thing is, if the if the if my temple had basically said no to us getting married, I obviously knew that wasn't the case because I've seen countless yeah, mixed yeah. race weddings there basically for you know. The, so many years and stuff yeah. like that. So, and it's a, and I'm, I'm attached to that particular temple because it is so open for so all cultures. Basically, yeah. you know, it's, it's not something that's very, you know, because I've seen temples that I've gone to previously that are very pro Gujarati, let alone pro Hindu kind of thing. You know, whereas you know the the Iskon Temple has been very open. It's a very diverse range of cultures and communities that visit and congregate there. Which makes it more accessible for me, which which gives me more of a spiritual connection to it. It's got movement in general. I think is like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that I can imagine that there are many temples that would reject the idea of either marrying out of your culture, so whether you marry a non Gujarati or whatever, or even marrying out of caste. Yeah, I think definitely, could probably definitely. be a problem. I know it has been in some 
in Gurdwaras that there's been problems between inter-caste marriages, never mm. mind anything else. And we're not even supposed to believe in caste. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I think that the other thing with, with a, a lot of Hindu weddings is like, like not all of them are in temples. You know, a lot of Hindu weddings are just happening in like banqueting halls and suites. And you've just got basically the the priest, you know, the Maharaj or someone that's yeah. basically conducting the ceremony. So there's, it's not done in front of the eyes of of God, like a lot of the other weddings and stuff. Like I know with I, I'm trying to think of any like Sikh weddings I've been to that haven't been in the Gurdwara. I can't think of any. Um, top they of my used head. to happen a lot when I was younger. Right. Um. Uh. Partly because there wasn't as many Gurdwari around maybe back then, but also um, just, you know, for cost, people used to do it at home mm, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So, but it's, it's it's like, it's a whole ceremony that you have to do because yeah, you, have yeah, to yeah. Do, you have to bless the home. So there'll be like um, an account part that goes on for like for three days beforehand. So there's yeah, yeah, blessing yeah. done. So it's, it's more of a process than you guys where the priest will turn up and do um, what's re a relatively quick blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you can... Conduct ceremony. Yeah, yeah, you're good to go. Yeah. So I think it got... It was also not encouraged to do weddings outside of the Gurdwara. Right, sure, sure. Partly so the Gurdwara could make money, hmm. but partly because also that's it was just seen as the more proper place to do the wedding. Yeah, it's well, weddings in whole has become a, a big, a, a more of a like a economic business rather than a kind of yeah. religion. Or but I think once the problems with the Gurdwara and mixed weddings started happening, people started doing weddings again at home. I heard more about that happening. Right, right. Um, Is that the reason why the Gurdwaras became a little bit more lenient about that because they were losing yeah, the revenue also, from weddings? They were cancelling last minute. I had two family members who had weddings cancelled like. Two yeah, days yeah. before, mm, mm. because they were like, "Oh no, people have found out that it's a mixed wedding. Yeah. We tried to keep it hush, but people have found out, so now we can't do it." Two days before a wedding That's is supposed crazy. to happen, and so then they're scrambling around trying to figure out what they're going to be able to do, and so people were like, "I'm not taking that risk. We'll just do it quietly at home, yeah. and then we'll have a party afterwards at some point." Yeah. Oh, actually, ironically, and I just—I don't know if I ever mentioned this as well on this show before, but I actually got a couple of messages from people after we got married um basically saying that you know what we did was wrong uh that us getting married uh you know that you married a, a seat girl is not is not right and then there was a one guy actually sent like a big long um i, I don't know where he lifted this 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 text from basically about all the um ways in which this was um you know a wrong thing to do and stuff into marrying outside of um your religion as such you know so it was a seat guy it was a seat guy yeah it was right, a couple okay. of a couple of seat guys actually that sent me these this thing um which you i can see my eye roll right now yeah no exactly which is which is very disappointing um uh because as i said before religion hasn't really played uh, a massive part in our decision making mm. you know in us getting married religion has never really played that much of a role um and you know when we're looking at our life now and our day-to-day -day life it, it still hasn't um you know and i think i think one of the things that works with us is the fact that we don't question each other too much about our respective religions uh we don't um jojo b is always poking fun at me obviously at mine um i'll do the same at hers for hers um yeah but it's a lot not... of the time it's just to understand actually things that don't make sense to me yeah 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 
That's, but that's the thing. I think, but that's the that's the other issue and stuff. You know, we're talking about oh, yours is a religion that idol worships and basically, you know, um, and prays to a million gods and stuff like that. Which and the thing is, this is what the Hindu community will always hear from people outside of our community. But unless you, you know, sit down and fully understand, um, you know, our belief system and our way of thinking. Um, it, it'll always be looked at as this kind of like, you know, almost like a mumbo jumbo style religion with like millions of gods and, and all this kind of thing. And and that's and the flip side of that also is you know, we talk about belief and what you what do you actually believe in? Mm. You know, do you believe you, you spoke just now about, you know, which God are you, you know, you know, um, you know, offering your life towards basically when getting married as, as such, you know, with with somebody in the Gurdwara. You know, and when you look about religion and what you do believe in, and, and do you believe in one God or do you believe in multiple gods, or do you believe uh, the 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 stories of the Ramayana taking place? Do you believe in the stories of the Mahabharata taking place? You know, there's a lot of things that you, when you read in the scriptures, when we talk about religion, and then you've got to think about like, do you believe in science or do you believe in religion? <laughs> Because that's that's a much much bigger that's a much much bigger wider discussion and that's that's could be that could offend a lot of people and it could be very divisive as well um, because we're talking about a lot of things that took place within the Mahabharata and the Ramayana which you know if you if you spoke it to the everyday person would just like you know beg a belief um, with some of the things that took place as such. So you've got to really, like, when it comes to religion, there has to be a real deep belief system in place and a real deep faith um, in place in order for you to be in a position where you can say, yes, I can wholeheartedly agree that all of these things took place and all of these things um, are very much, like, happened on this earth. Or do you... So it's the same, but I remember having this conversation with um, in RE... Um, when I was at school about the uh, Bible and there there are different schools of thought so obviously like there are some people who will say that whatever happened in the Bible actually happened yeah yeah Jesus yeah. walked on water yeah you know he turned water to wine yeah all of that stuff mm. and there are some people who say these are parables where he a story is told mm. to show to kind of um show that he was exhibiting a certain kind of um, love for people and he was showing his uh, the world how to be better yeah. by telling these stories mm. and and then using those as examples so that people could understand because he was trying to teach people who at that point weren't necessarily like the educated masses. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, were yeah. the everyday person and so they needed an example of something to be yeah. able to understand what he was trying to say because these were big things that he was trying to teach people. Of course. You know, like big thoughts that then have to be translated into a kind of um, a way that people can understand and is digestible. Yeah. And it's the same with all religious books. Yeah. You know, yeah. like are they, are the things that are written there, did they actually happen? Yeah. Or are they... Chinese whispers. <laughs> no, no, are they parables? Are they just ways yeah. of explaining things to people that they wouldn't be able to understand otherwise? Yeah, 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 of course. You know, yeah. and so my dad, this is what I mean by when he told me, you know, a lot of the things that happened or a lot of the, the tales of the gurus and stuff, mm. he was like, 
this is what people say and they say that it actually happened hmm. but this is actually what this story means yeah, now it's yeah, up to yeah. you whether you want to believe that it actually happened that way but yeah. this is the meaning of that story it has to you have to understand the meanings behind these things of course and so that's why sometimes I I question things that, about what happened, you know, in the Ramayan or like I read. So we always get told the Ramayan, yeah. like you get you get taught it at school or you hear it from family and it stops, you know. Mm-hmm. Sita came home. Yeah. End. <laughs> I actually found in a secondhand bookshop many many years ago a um kind of shortened version of the Ramayan, but it was actually taken from the original books and it yeah. was kind of like all the the key highlights. So I read past the bit where Sita comes home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, you what? Mm. Like, all of this awful stuff happened to her when she got home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Ram did all of this stuff to try and save her and then rejected her when he got home, when he got her home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I was like, I don't understand. (laughs) I don't understand what we're doing here. Who are we celebrating and why are we celebrating this? Yeah, yeah. Because this poor woman, she had to suffer so much Mm. afterwards. Yeah. And actually, that tells you a lot about the culture of India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because when you look into some of these stories and you hear and you really read past all of the the highlighted kind of good stuff, there's some really dark stuff. No, definitely. And it really then does explain why South Asian society is what it is sometimes, especially when it comes to the treatment of women. Yeah, definitely. The treatment of women, but also, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Um, one of the reasons why I took a bit, I guess, a bit more of a step back um, from um, religious, like, kind of duties in terms of servicing and volunteering and being um, amongst those communities, um, uh, you know, with specific temples and stuff was, um, you know, I went to one of the kind of classes um, that they kind of teach with the youth um, set up, and they were they were talking uh, on one of these evenings about um, is Hinduism based around violence. Um, and, you know, when you look at the story of the Mahabharata specifically and the Ramayana, it's incredibly violent yeah. and, it's, and, it's, and it's based around a war and it's based around, you know, atrocities and things that take place. It is based around the um, the, treat, the the meaning treatment of women with what happened with Draupadi, obviously, in the, in mm-hmm. the, in the Mahabharata. Um, and so the, the, all of these things are, you know, are you know in essence you know a lot of negative factors based around um you know the 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 rise of our religion basically in these in these big books mm. um and and the the conversations that people were having was well if it's if it's done you know in the name of god then it's not really looked upon as violent you know it's it's you know and and i think that's what kind of it 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 really stirred that mindset in me you know, that people are kind of so dissuaded away from you know the things that take place or things that actually happen but when you're so fundamentally um involved in your religion that you're almost blindly following it um based off you know scriptures and words and stuff that you that you don't look past like the i guess the you know the, the the obvious elements of things that kind of took place, and I feel and I feel that's what um a lot is happening a lot currently in um in India and in Pakistan, you know, and in Bangladesh where people are blindly following like religious leaders and um you know things that are said and um and rather than actually forming opinions of themselves for themselves yeah, basically. I think they're really all of the religious texts. And and the Guru Granth is probably one of the newest out of the lot. Yeah, you know they're all written 
in old language that's very hard to understand and can be interpreted in a number of ways. Yeah, in today's and, modern language, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and when you listen to someone else's interpretation of it, it can lead you down a path that actually may not be what was originally intended. You need to read these things yourself to be able to form your own opinion. Yeah. I haven't read the Guru Granth. I tried to find a good English translation. Right. I didn't find one that I thought made any sense. Yeah. So I just kind of stopped reading. Mm. Um, and uh, when it comes to other, I think that maybe the only other religious text that I've read is the Bible because I got given one yeah. at school. Um, and so I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't know a lot about religion, which is why I try and stay away from the conversation of it, you know, in too much depth. I will never question someone else's belief system in terms of, I will not say, well, you're wrong for believing in a religion. Yeah, my but one's better than yours. What I, do, I mean, I have, my a lot of my friends are Muslim Yeah, and, I, and we're quite religious. And they used to talk to me about religion. Talking right. to me about religion is fine. But I was just like, please don't ever preach to me. And I said this to all my religious friends of whatever religion. Yeah, I do not like to be preached at. I believe that I'm not a religious person. And I don't think following a religion is for me. Mm. And so someone asked me actually if I was an atheist. Mm. And I haven't been able to answer that question because I don't know if I am or not. Right, right. But what I do know is that I cannot, because like you, I don't like to be told what to do. Mm. And mm. so I don't feel like I can follow a religion because most religions want to tell you what to do. Yeah, it's based around kind of guidelines as such that you yeah. follow those guidelines. And if you did uh, away from those or, you know, if you stray away from those, basically, then you're a, a bad Hindu or a bad Sikh or a, a bad Christian. Yeah, or... and my definition of being a good person, I think, is quite a universal definition hmm. of I try not to harm anyone. Yeah. I, I have no intention of harming anyone. I try to be um, good to myself. Yeah. I try to be good to the people around me. Hmm. I try and do what I can for charity whenever, when whatever is possible for me to do. Mm. Um, I try to live my life in a good way. Yeah. And, and I feel like I don't really need a religion to tell me how to do that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, like as long as you have good morals, I think that's fine. Yeah. And so I, but then I, you know, like you with your religion, I don't tell you not to be religious. Yeah. yeah I would never do that because yeah. I know what your religion means to you. I even volunteered at the Mandir with you yeah, because yeah, yeah. I knew that that was such a big thing for your family yeah. that I wanted to be part of that. Um, so I, yeah, but I didn't do it for the religious reasons. <laughs> I did it for the love of my family. Yeah. 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 Of course. And, and I think again, that's fine. Cause I don't think I like, I need to be massively religious to go to a religious venue yeah, and course, volunteer. Yeah, yeah. yeah defo, defo. And yeah. so even if it's not my religion, I still did it. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, and, and I enjoyed it most of the time when it was a bit cold. <laughs> we were outside all the time. It was sometimes it was very cold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never like tried to overly preach my religion on you as well at the same time or try to push that on you in any way. I think because I know you and your personality and what, what you're like. And that religion isn't that much of a factor. I think the interesting would, thing would, would be if, I'm just saying in a hypothetical world, that the older you got, you you did become more religious or, of Sikhi. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's belief system and just became a little bit more practicing. And I think that would be a really interesting look at how our relationship develops and in what way. Um, because, you know, I... 
like I said, I may or may not, you know, like I said, we all talk about the older you get, you tend to become more religious and stuff, you know, and stuff. But I, I, knowing me and the way I'm now, I don't see myself changing too much from the way I am currently. But you never know what happens in the future. Mm. Now, that's not to say that, you know, that may not happen with you potentially, where you decide think, to become more involved in that. I think it's unlikely. Hmm. I'm too much my father's daughter right. to to end up down that route. I'm and probably I'll probably move even further away. <laughs> right, okay. Um it's more likely. Um yeah, I just I don't have it in me to hmm. to be able to put faith in things. And I think that's partly why I struggle sometimes with just trusting a process yeah, yeah, in course, life in general yeah. because i think people who have the ability to have faith in something that they is not tangible um they are able to trust a process and kind of be able to to kind of allow life to happen as it should yeah yeah or yeah, as yeah. it will as it will yeah yeah whereas i'm very much like i need to know yeah i need to know the answer yeah. <laughs> and so um yeah, and I think I like that's that's something that I struggle with in life in general. And I think that I just don't I don't see me changing my ability to blindly believe in something. Yeah, no, and I think it is really important to be true to yourself, especially when it comes to religion. The one thing I don't like, one of the major things that I don't like um, about you know aspects of my religion, but people just religion in general is when people. Um, preach a lot about religion across social media in their day-to-day -day lives but then they're not fully practicing it outside of their life and it's they're basically done for the show so you know yeah. you'll have people especially during big ceremony uh, ceremony festivals across the year to you know I'm, I'm gonna you know atone for all of my sins for the year just be like vegetarian for a week and not drink for a week <laughs> but then carry on like a kind of lifestyle after that yeah that's totally like against everything that the religion i guess stands for yeah you know or you have people that are very very deeply religious but then um you know but have like you know issues within their life outside of, of religion which again goes against you know what is a, 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 within your belief system as they well they can't put into practice what they preach yeah exactly you know and yeah. i think that's within their own lives it, it, it's very easy and i think this is just in general as well it's very easy to tell other people how to live their life exactly and i mean you see this with all you know religious leaders all the time where they come it turns out that you know they're dirty perverts or whatever yeah and and it's because it's easy to tell people yeah how to be and to act like you're godlike yeah but to then be that way, really, and to be virtuous, really, is very hard. Exactly. It's exactly. really difficult. Yeah. And it takes a lot of restraint. Yeah, it does. It does take a, a massive amount of restraint. And I, I, I can't, I just don't see it enough from certain people um, that I see come across, especially in my life, um, you know, on, you know, whether it's people in my extended family, people on social media um, that are that act a certain way um, when it comes to religion and then in the actual lives that doesn't that don't reflect that. And I guess with me, I've always, you know, what you see is what you get. You know, I'm, I've never been one to overly preach to anyone about my religion and I don't do that in my real life. I wouldn't want anyone to preach that on me. I'm, I'm very much. Uh, of the case where when I go to a temple, my conversation with with God is one on one. I don't want 
a middleman to be my you know my that person in between myself and god telling me what god is saying and then reflecting those words back to me because it completely defeats the purpose of what i go to a temple for any place of worship for in the first place those people are people and people are flawed yes and to then to you know kind of almost end up worshipping that person that middleman yeah yeah rather than spending your time worshipping the higher being that you believe yeah, in yeah um i think is where the trouble comes in because those people start to get that kind of feeling of godlike status yeah, yeah and and then and yeah and they just take advantage of that quite often and we've yeah. heard so many stories over the years of various people well known and people that we just hear about day to day as well mm. of that being the case and you like that's just, you know they've manipulated people and they have um they have extort you know, some people extort money some people yeah, yeah, you know yeah. attack women and or children or you know or men you know like they just they people are flawed and so i feel like i cannot put my trust in someone who's telling me what god is god is saying who's interpreting this text that i don't understand yeah. and and that's partly the problem for me yeah i like I'm just putting it out there. I I can't worship um, another human being um, that's no, living I'm... and walking on this earth. And and there are plenty of like really spiritual gurus, and there's um, you know like saint like figures amongst your community if you if you wish. And some um, people are good people. Yeah, and they're not all, everyone is exactly. Bad. No, no, I'm not. I'm not in any way defaming any of these people. Um, you know, because if someone's inspired and influenced your life that much for you to follow them, you know, to you know to the ends of the world uh, and follow their belief system, there's clearly something in that person that you felt so attached to emotionally Connected or to, spiritually yeah. you know so and good for you if that if that's if that's helped your life in a positive way to move forward then all power to you you know and and you know i have absolutely no qualms of that who am i to basically um deny you what you're doing and tell you what you're doing is wrong i just for me i'm i can't bow down to another human being that's that's living and walking on this earth the only person that will bow down to is is god when i see him if and when i see him you know or her or her or her him or her um because you know i i just i feel like we're no different from any other i'm no different from you and you're no different from the next person that lives next door or a president or a king or a saint or a priest we all walk this earth together we all breathe eat sleep the same way as anyone else does mm. you know you can put hierarchies and you can put statuses and you can put financial uh, economic statuses or land or wealth or crowns or whatever we're we're all exactly the same being we're all, we're born and we live through our lives and we die the same way. We all breathe the same oxygen. This makes it all sound really like, you know, worldly and kind of hippy-dippy and stuff. But as humans walking this earth, we're no different to each other. So by worshipping another human being makes no sense to me because that person is no different to me. I could sit there and just worship myself if, if that was the case. Yeah, because like I said, fundamentally, humans are flawed. Yeah. We all have aspects of our personalities that are not so great yeah and so that cannot make you divine divine 
in my eyes, That's by my thing. definition of loads being of people divine. Will, yeah, absolutely. There'll be hundreds of people listening to this right now that will fully disagree with what I'm saying. Um, each to their own is what I believe. But um, for me, I believe in God. I've always believed in God. My conversation has always been with God. It's not been through anyone else, through any other mediums or gurus or spiritual leaders or middlemen. Um, I've never believed in that. I wouldn't allow anyone to come in between that because that's very personal to me. And so um, I that's another one of the reasons why with religion and being involved with, with certain, you know, um, you know, uh, cultural communities or religious communities and stuff you know i have to sometimes take a step back because when when things become too much with and that's with any place of worship where you you know go to somewhere so much and you get inspired a lot and you get you know um you know ideals and viewpoints pushed in your direction that could influence your thinking and your way of life to alter it in certain ways some for the positive some maybe not some for the negative um, you know, I wouldn't want to allow myself to be in a position where, you know, the way I think is, um, is, you know, infiltrated that way almost. Mm. I've just been thinking about something that my dad said to me. Mm. I said to my dad when I was younger, I used to eat burgers from McDonald's when I was younger, which were made of beef. Toba, toba, toba. Yeah, I was only like, I was like, these are happy meals. I was very young. And uh, this is the time of the, you know, the the kind of um, foot and mouth BSE crisis. I said to my dad, I think I'm going to stop eating beef now. I don't want to eat it anymore. Yeah. And he's like, why? And I was like, oh, because, you know, I might, I don't know if I, I, I want to find out more about being Sikh. I want to think about, you know, being religious. Yeah. My dad was like, okay, that's interesting. Hmm. And and I said to him, what would ha- like what happens if I want to be more religious? Knowing that my dad is not a religious man at this point, now, I must have been what like eight nine years old. Right. My dad said to me, "Look, it's up to you. When you grow up, it's up to you whether you want to be religious or not." But I think I'd be very disappointed in you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now this you're no I longer think, my daughter. I think that. And I said this to my dad recently. My dad was like, I don't remember ever saying this to you. I don't think I would ever have said that to you. And I was like, no, dad, it sticks out in my mind. Mm. And it's like, it's what a really clear memory in my mind. And so it must have happened. Um, <laughs> and I think that explains my, my feeling towards religion. Mm. That I, I can't, like, I can't connect with it. Partly because my dad said he would be really disappointed in me if he became if I became religious. But then he said to me many over the years that he'd be very disappointed in me for very other reasons that I've Marrying actually then, like, that, that I've kind of gone on and done. But I think it it just kind of set in me a thing of like religion's not really for me. Hmm. It's not for me because I, what my dad meant was that he just he didn't. He wanted me to make my own decisions. So if I was going to eat, stop eating beef because I wanted to stop eating it, not because yeah. someone told me that I shouldn't eat it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, and I haven't eaten beef since then. I've mm. never, I haven't touched it again since I was since that age. Yeah. And um, because I decided that actually it's because I don't want to have it. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to eat it, and you know, and I and I haven't touched it again. Many members of my family do eat it because yeah, yeah. they're like, well, if we're going to eat meat, we'll just eat whatever meat we want. Mm. You know. I, 
let's kind of not be hypocrites here by eating all the other meats and just not having that one particular one. Um, and so, yeah, I think my, 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 when I think about what I would say or how I would feel if bubs came to us, mm. I, like, I want to be more religious. Yeah. Like I, I think about well, which religion will he choose? And what will he want to do? Because I can't really teach him anything about Sikhi because I don't yeah. know enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would never pretend to preach to him about it. You know, I can teach him what to do when we go to the Gurdwara, Matatek and all that kind of stuff. But the meanings behind everything and what's being said and how to live your life day to day within the Sikh religion, I can't tell him any of that because I don't know it. Yeah, we're going to come to a sort of crossroads in our life the older our son gets when it comes to specifically religion. Now, he's a mix of two different religions. Um, however much we practice them, he is half Hindu and half Sikh. And it's it's more a case of how much we want to teach him about both religions and then almost let him decide where he goes. I'd love for him to be able to embrace both mm. and and want to embrace both parts of his culture and religions as such. Um, I think culture is the most important thing for us, I guess, more than religion, I would think, when, when raising him. I'd love for him to have a lot of Gujarati culture and a lot of Punjabi culture um, in his, you know, everyday life. Now, when it comes to religion and how he practices it, it's, it's more going to be determined of how much we um i wouldn't say push that on him mm. but you know i i would love him to go to the temple and learn about our the gods and the stories um you know and the kirtans and the shloks and these kind of things um because i just feel that if it will give him an insight onto what his family's all been about and what our you know our generations have all been about and to ensure that he doesn't lose that connection to his uh, to his religion. Well, where will that come from? Will that come from you, or will that come from the mother, or will it come from your mum? I think a combination of all all those things. You know, it obviously it's going to come a, a lot from my family because they're, uh, I guess, a lot more religious than I am. Um, but you know, I wouldn't want to do it in a kind of preachy way. I'd, I'd almost want to give him like, this is what we are. This is what our family has been about. This is what we've been doing. This is what our um you know our belief system is um but it's it's in terms of what you want to follow in your life going forward the only thing i ask is to follow you know culturally what i'm about or what we've been about you know and then see what road he takes basically going forward what if you want to so at the moment we are raising him as vegetarian yeah what if he turns around and says dad i'm gonna you know go and have a chicken burger with my mates I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I'm not going to be very disappointed. Okay, <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. He can be whatever in terms. He can like you know like be whatever he wants in his life or do whatever he wants in his life. There's like a couple of small things that I would love him to follow if I if I kind of you know can enable that to happen. Right. And vegetarian would be one thing. Yeah. If he does eat meat, it would disappoint me. But if that's what he decides to do, that's what he decides to do. But I will be very like, like, you know, I'd feel a kick in the teeth. Because I've told you before, 
that I don't want it to be like, mom, I'm going to do this. Don't tell dad. Cause I am not living yeah, that no, of life. Course. No, of course. And I'm, I'm not, like, I'm a very, I'm a very liberal, I'm a very liberal guy. You know me as being a very liberal person. Mm. Vegetarianism and the love of animals and that, that side of my life is very important to me. You also have a very quick temper. I have a, I have a very quick temper. Exactly. Yeah. He probably got that. He'll definitely get that. Um, he already but, has that he's had that from day one exactly you yeah. know so that's the only thing I would love to, the only other thing is for him to support Liverpool you know so <laughs> like and that's a religion in itself so he's going to be a Newcastle fan I'm just putting it out there if, as long as he's a vegetarian and as long as he supports Liverpool he can do he can be any he can literally be anything else in his life he can marry who he wants he can be with whoever he wants to be with i'm even happy for him to follow sikhi more than hinduism if he wants to be right. because that is still half of my family anyway and stuff and i embrace that mm -hmm. I, I you know i i endorse that but vegetarian is the only thing that i would be like i would love for him to follow for the rest of his life okay and whether that's a religious thing or a cultural thing, I'll open to the interpretation of yourself and all our listeners. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. But I, I would, you know, it it would be it'd be really interesting to see. You know, I'd love to peek, sneak a peek into his future and see what direction he goes in. Because when I look at people um, that like sort of not mixed race, but you know, like mixed religion families, and seeing the children of those people in their like adult life. A lot of them feel like sometimes they're a little bit lost in terms of following, you know, either one of their respective cultures. Um, like it's it's they're a little bit kind of like because they're not fully immersed, and that's the thing. Like so, I, because I can't give him that immersion into Sikhism because I don't have that connection myself, hmm, and yeah. so I know that. But what I do want is, and this is a separate thing, is that I would like him to have some connection to his Punjabi culture mm, yeah. and what I would really love for him to be able to do which is something that I couldn't do just because I don't th I don't think it existed at that point in Newcastle is to go to Punjabi school now but the problem with for me the problem with Punjabi school is is that they're often good in Gurdwaras and it comes with you learn Punjabi mm. from you know from ABC onwards and you kind of learn it properly the way that I never learned it so my grammar is all over the place sometimes my pronunciation is wrong because I didn't learn the individual letters the way they're supposed to be you know the way they're supposed to sound mm. I just learned it from hearing it at home right I'd like him to have that foundation in the language but mm. that comes with also religious teachings then and I don't necessarily want him to have those religious teachings because mm. I don't believe that I don't follow that myself. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. And also then also I don't want us to have any conflict at home because it feels like I'm pushing him into, into Sikhi yeah. when we're not going to push him either way. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so that's my only issue. If I can, if I can find like a Punjabi school that is non-religious, then I would really like that. I mean, him. wasn't there like, I'm sure like everyone I knew that went to like high school did like Punjabi for their GCSEs and stuff. But then um, also they probably went to Punjabi school and had some, because you don't just possibly. learn ABC from, you know, for, from GCSE level, do yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You have to learn you it. Learn from home and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I just didn't get taught any of that. Mum and dad just never taught us that for some reason. Know, maybe, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe that's, that's for us, I guess, more as parents. Um, are like on what we do and how we raise him. You know, if we if we both instill 
our respective cultures on him, not bombard him with it, obviously, because what I don't want to do is him to be like overawed by the amount of like, you know, heaviness from each of our respective religions and cultures on his small, minute brain mm. um, for him to just feel like he's he doesn't really fit amongst either of them and stuff and doesn't want to embrace either of them because it's he's he's British and he feels more connected to to British culture rather than his, um, you know, his his uh, South Asian cultures. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, I guess it's, it's more about, you know, that's more comes with parenting, how we raise him, uh, how we teach him that he is British and, but he's also very, you know, South Asian. I think it's a natural thing though. If you look at like, and this is now becoming talk about a conversation about culture but if you look at places like america where they have had immigration you know kind of in the early 1900s people still identify as like i'm italian american or whatever mm. so they still identify that way mm. but actually they've they've kind of moved very far away from the original culture yeah, yeah. and kind of made it into an italian american culture they're not it's not italian as such as it is italian american which is a completely different thing now yeah, 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 yeah. and and I think that's what's going to happen here as the generations go on and we move away from that original uh, generation that first immigrated here, mm. that the connection between the motherland as such yeah, yeah. and the culture of the motherland and, you know, and the religion as well, yeah. that it becomes... It, it, there's there's less of a connection and it becomes something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, and course, that's course. just... The, the, it, that's the evolution of culture. That is the evolution of culture, but it would be especially immigrant culture. Of culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it will be really interesting to see where where religion is. I guess in the next twenty, thirty years, um, by the time that he's an adult, there's been obviously a lot of changes, um, you know, happening within. Uh, not so much with religion. Religion is religion. People have belief in God. People will always... Um, most of them are thousands of years old. Exactly, yeah. yeah. The stories aren't going to change anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're still going to remain exactly the same uh, as they did, you know, when we were kids and stuff. And they will be by the time uh, Bubs is having kids of his own, basically, in the next 30 or so years. Um, so, you know, it, but it, it remains to be seen, I guess, how much um, it is a, a factor, I guess, in people's lives um because you know it it's huge right now across the whole world belief religion is like one of the biggest businesses in the whole world and people have profited off the religion people have used religion as a scapegoat and we've said at the start of this, this section it's it's divided people it's brought people together uh and we'll have to see how much it's uh what how much of an influence it's had on day-to-day -day society in 30 years time and how much it's you know, has it created more conflicts or has it created, uh, you know, much bigger issues or has it brought people together? Because that could have a defining role in what our next generation, our children, which religion basically people follow and how they follow it based on that as well at the same time. I mean, my hope for him really is that he is a, um, as my dad called it, a rationalist. <laughs> and uh, or as many people call them, call themselves rationalists. And, and he um, uses science to save the world. Oh, God. I want him to be a conservationist. I want him, for his generation, it's going to be very, very important that they learn to manage how to live in a world 
that has fundamentally changed because of climate change because it will happen yeah yeah and so for me my emphasis will always try and be on the science side of things so then it comes back to the whole science versus religion because I, really can people, you believe in both well a lot of people do think that they can and they do but for me my emphasis will always be on thinking those about that rather than spirituality and such mm. there has to be it's all about a connection to to yourself and your place in the universe right. all of it religion and science i think that's that's the connecting factor it's about understanding where you are within this whole universe that we live in mm. and what your part is in it all yeah, right yeah and for me I think that I would probably sway towards the science side of things just for him to be able to understand what life is. Do you know what I mean? Like what, where, what is going to happen? Because climate change is happening. It's here. It is here, but we're fully digressing away from the whole point of the conversation. Okay, so my point was that I'd rather him understand his place in the universe via science rather than religion. But that's just because of the way that my mind works. Right, okay. So I could potentially say I wanted to sway towards religion rather than science and then we're in for a conflict in a few no, years' time. No, it's not conflict but, though, is it? Because it's up to him. He's the person that's going to have to choose the path that he wants to go on. Yeah, yeah. And so we can only kind of give him the, the routines. Guidance. Yeah, the yeah. routines of both things and then for him to be able to make an informed decision. Yes, based on that. Yeah. 100%. But, you know, like people could see it in various different ways. People have various different beliefs. People have... Uh, uh, faith or religion or spirituality, you know, whatever way you feel like your life is is guiding towards. And if you want that guide in your life, and we're not out here to judge on anyone for their religions or what they follow or who they follow. If, if it's positively benefiting your life, please follow it, follow it in the right lines and the right way. Um, and enable yourself to be a better human being because of it, you know, and that's what we, you know, are here to to or to endorse and to push, you know, from our side. And or if religion's not for you, then don't follow it. Don't use it to make your life better. Make your life better in other ways. Mm. Find another path in life. Yeah. Whatever you choose, religion or not, as long as you're being a good person and you feel okay mm. and you're not harming anybody else. Yep. And you're all right. Yeah. Do as you want to do and do unto others as you would do. Yes. Just be good and be good to other people. Yes. Be good to one another. That's proper Jerry Springer ending, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but let us know your thoughts. Uh, it's been a controversial episode talking about religion and there's a lot that people might have disagreed on. But if you're in a situation that's very similar to ours, um, let us know how you are in terms of getting on with two different religions or whether you completely disagree of religions mixing like this, let us know as well. We would love to hear people's thoughts. Be respectful. Be respectful, of course. Um, I don't want any uh, abuse from yeah, anyone, exactly. right? Because we won't put up with it. And we're too but, old for that shit. Yeah, exactly. And so just be respectful of our views. You're, you're welcome to have your own views and let us know what your views are. Exactly, exactly. Um, and why did they also rate, review us on Apple Podcasts <laughs> and subscribe to us on Spotify and SoundCloud? Right. Well, that is it from this week's episode of The Native Immigrants. We'll be back next week for more of the same. I am Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all next week, people. Peace. Bye.